support for the Heel Tough Blog podcast comes from Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Look, guys, we've all been there. We've all been trimming. All of a sudden, we clip something we don't want to clip. You don't want to do that. Make sure you take care of your downstairs area, just like the Tar Heels have to make sure they take care of Sam Howell. We don't want to have to put the backup in. And guess what? There's no backup for your balls. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their Lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin-safe technology, so this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. That's right, manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past, and come on guys, don't use the same trimmer on your face that you're using on your balls, let's just be honest, that is disgusting. Manscaped also has the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer, so you don't have to use any of those powders or whatever, you already put deodorant on your armpits, why not put deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? Right now you can get 20% off plus free shipping with the code BIGHEADS, that's all one word, BIGHEADS at manscaped.com, always use the right tool for the job, your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BIGHEADS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code BIGHEADS to get your Manscaped product today. Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap, spot, kick away, high it up, long it up. It's good! It's good! Carolina has won the game on a 42-yard field goal by freshman Hunter Burr. Good gosh, dirty. This is the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. What is going on, guys? It is Anthony Pagnata back here with you guys. As always, Josh Marlowe here with me as well. And we are giving you the immediate reaction on the Heel Tough Blog podcast to the Tar Heels win over the NC State Wolfpack. More importantly, the Tar Heels are bull eligible. Uh, frankly, because let's be honest, State is complete and utter doo doo, and uh, we beat them. How we should have beat them uh, in dominating fashion. So, uh, just uh, the the immediate feeling. I mean, look, three years in the making. NC State has has owned the Tar Heels. Really, really owned them since the turn of of 
this century. Um, but the Tar Heels responded the way they needed to, and they come away with a big win to get bowl eligible. First off, you threw me off with the whole, what is going on? I'm used to the, hey guys. Hey, 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 hey. No, I thought that we needed to come out a little more cheery because the hey guys has been what we've been doing all these other, you know, for the for the last uh, however many episodes. I think the hey guys has also gotten to the point where now it just seems kind of depressive because we've lost so much when I've said hey guys. So I felt I felt like we needed a changeup because this is a happy occasion. We're going bowling. We get 15 extra practices. There's so much to be excited about. We don't have to just sit and talk about early signing period. We get to talk about a bowl game. This team gets to travel and build as a team together. It's amazing. Yeah, no. I'm fun, fun night. Uh, I looked at you right as we were kicking the game off. The most psyched I've been going into a game probably since 15. I thought it might have been because of the pot roast. Uh, pot roast is pretty good. That was Tony, good. That uh, was good stuff. Tony Pags brought the heat. Um, I, was pretty, right. I was pretty uh, geeked going into Charlotte for South Carolina. Right. Miami night game was a lot of fun. But this... Oh, I don't know, man. This that was Miami personal. might have been... This yeah. was personal for many levels. Factor, We've definitely. lost three times to them in a row. Yes. Two of the times with me in attendance, therefore banning me from seeing us play them live in Chapel Hill. Oh, no, Hill. no, no. Go further into explaining why. Because you've also been to a basketball yeah, game. Yeah, I'm over Worst performance ever. against them ever. Over so, all yes. time against NC State. The first football uh, first football loss, 35-7 to back in 2014. The second loss... In 2016, had me yelling during the fight to come fight me in 2019. And then oh, last man. year... We probably shouldn't have revealed that because uh, I think they're still looking for the guys that were yelling that. So and then let's last year... Keep that a podcast uh, secret, folks. Almost getting ejected for standing inside Keenan Stadium and then oh, watching us... That was bad. Watching us not tackle... Multiple times, a state ran all over us in we the got overtime to see, win. Hey, we got to see a, a, a different version of a celebration. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, by the way. Uh, that was uh, always a fantastic memory. This year, a little bit different. Uh, look, coming in, expectations were that this Tar Heel team should have no trouble with this NC State team, and that was not the case. The first half looked about what we have expected over the last few years against NC State. A very slow start. Um, I, you know, I think that a lot of people are going to try to say the weather was a really big factor. I don't think that was a huge factor at all. I just think that, you know, this was one of those games where the Tar Heels came out, maybe didn't think that NC State was going to come out fighting, thinking that their season was over, looking at the crowd and seeing that there really weren't all that many fans there. Um, but that was definitely not the case. The good news is they, they rebounded in the second half. But let's talk and focus a little bit on that first half early on. Um, and look, this was pretty much a culmination of our frustrations throughout the year. You know, the defense really did a pretty solid job, um, but when it came to the offensive execution, especially in the red zone, it just frankly wasn't there. Yeah, there was, you know, like you said, a, a 12-game database was all compiled in the first 30 minutes where Carolina from 20 to 20 had the ability to do whatever they want, whether it was... It was more through the air in the first half than it was on the ground. Yeah, over 200 yards uh, through the air in the first half, believe but, it or not. But Crazy. once they got inside the 20s, it, it I don't know what it is. The offense just boggles down. To some point, it's got to be confidence in the guys because they're... 
97th in the country in red zone touchdown efficiency. Um, most teams with that kind of number aren't competing for a chance to go to a bowl game. Kind of no. shows you how how good this team has performed in, in certain aspects. And it, it all and that's what happened. And then you had a busted pass coverage defensively that overlooked all the good you did in the first half. Right. Um, and you go into down ten to six. I thought what happened in the second half. Mac Brown talked a lot about last week. This team's got to mature. We'll see how much they've grown preparing for Mercer. It's easy to prepare for Virginia and Pittsburgh because those games mean a lot. How do you mature or how do you prepare for Mercer, a team that you're bigger, faster, stronger, better than? And we saw how they responded to completely obliterating that Mercer team. Well, this right. team this week had a halftime deficit on a road in a place where the, most of the guys on this roster have never won. Mm-hmm. And they went in the second half. Probably safe to say they got a good a good speaking to from the the head coach and the coaching staff all together. Yeah, I would agree. And responded with their best third quarter we've seen them play this year. Yeah, no, and, no doubt, no doubt. And it was in all three phases: the offense, the defense gave you three takeaways in the third quarter, and the kicking game was doing its part. And it really it allowed them to do what they should have done, mm-hmm. which was you beat a better team or you or you beat a team that you're right. better than. And and then that was that was good to see, and you know now you get you, you get a chance to you beat your rival for the first time in three years, you get to go to a bowl game. I have stressed how important these practices are going into next right, year. Right. Well, they win the win or lose the bowl game, I don't give a damn. These practices are going to pay dividends when they go into spring ball next next year, or even winter practice after the new year. And also, we get to see him play another football game, so that's kind of exciting too. Yeah, seniors get to play another game in a Tar Heel uniform. Uh, you know, I think one of the other things that I wanted to talk about just with the first half really quickly, I like what you said about the fact that that long touchdown on the miscommunication on the back end really took away from what they did. Because I thought early on, State did a really good job first two drives of running the football. I thought the Tar Heels did a great job of adjusting. You saw Jeremiah Gimmel and Chaz Surratt adjust to what they were seeing from NC State, and the defensive line stepped up and definitely played a lot better. To me, the biggest the biggest play for the defensive line, was it not the Raymond Vowasik play when they stretched him out to the left side of the sideline in the second quarter, and he goes out and makes the tackle in space? That seemed to change everything for this Carolina run defense, and, and they were so much better after that play. Yeah, I feel like NC State, came in a little more, I'm not going to say motivated. They they set the tone mm-hmm. before Carolina did the point of attack. But you're right. That that flip defensively, once Velasic broke through a holding, he was held yeah. and, and, and still made the play. And and that's just, people don't understand how what those kind of plays do to a team, but it, it, it gets the guys fired up because you see this guy fighting, scratching, clawing, and making plays. Well, that was the first real positive yeah. play for the defense because there have been a couple of drops from the statewide receivers, but really the, the defense wasn't in position to make plays. That was the first time you said, okay, you made a play. That that was something we want to see. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree. And then in the second half, like you said, really just a whole team adjustment. And the biggest thing was the offensive adjustment was huge. I said in the pregame um, when we were talking, and I said when I was previewing this, and we were talking about keys to the game, and when we did the preview podcast, 
My biggest key to this game was capitalizing in the red zone. They didn't do it in the first half. Phil Longo was being called multiple names that will not be repeated on this podcast. And it was not only by us. It was also by multiple people, including uh, the man that cooked the pot roast. Uh, uh, it's, it's, it's your job to think what we called him and tweet us. What do you think he gets called don't do during that. games? Please don't do that. Don't have your Twitter account shut down. because they're, you're, Personalized you're, DM yeah, me. I, I, I invite this. It's Oddly enough. Bad. His play calling changed when I right. called him out on Twitter oh. and said that isn't he the guy in the family that loves fruitcake? After that, he called a beautiful game. A coincidence? That reference to? I don't. I don't get just that. that he's just that guy that you know and likes because they like fruitcake. Oh, that and was nobody rough. likes him because rough. his play calling Look, at the okay. time was, and here's, was, was here's trash. Here's the thing that we're trying to tell you: we have no problem with his play calling in between the twenties. That. There were, at times early in the year, like the game against App State, the run with Jace Reuter on third and one that we just were kind of sitting there scratching our heads about. There were a few of them. He worked those out. In between the 20s, this offense is as good right now as there is in the country. I, I, I'm going out on a limb and saying that. I know that, look, Ohio State, really, really good. LSU, really, really good. But Carolina's is, is up near that area. The problem is, is when they get in that red zone, things seem to change. And it was the same way in the first half. It was the reason they were trailing at halftime. I mean, let's be real honest, this team should have been on 14-10 at halftime. They had two golden opportunities, let it go. But in the second half, in that third quarter, it was so much different. And, you know, I don't, you can't blame it all on Longo. You know, we talked to Mike Ingersoll before the game earlier this week, and he brought up a really good point. The offensive line has not been the same in the red zone as they've been in between the 20s as well. They've done such a great job of getting to the second level with the blocks when they're outside the red zone. But in the red zone, these guys just get stuck. They can't get to the second level. They can't open those running lanes up, the way they've been able to when they're in open field. And we saw that kind of change tonight in the third quarter. Carolina started dominating the line of scrimmage, especially in the red zone, which is something we did not even remotely expect because this state defensive line was good once again. No, Not as good as the last two years, but this was still a really, really good unit uh, and probably the best on their entire team. Carolina did such a great job. In that second half, you saw the running lanes open up, and Javante Williams, look, if you give him a lane, he's going to hit it hard, and he will run through players. He did exactly that. And then my favorite play call, I loved the little, if you want to call it, swing pass. I mean, whatever you want to call it, where they threw it to him and he takes it for the touchdown. I thought that was one of the better play calls that I've seen in the red zone all year from Longo. Because... He kind of leaped out of the backfield, got over to the sideline, and State was not even not, not even expecting that at all. I think, you know, initially, Sam was looking down the field. I think that was more of a safety valve. Beautiful dump off, and, and you let a guy that, you know, we, we know can run through guys, you know, get into the end zone with relative ease. Yeah. I love talking about my Twitter account. Oh, I tweeted this also during the game. As great as Sam Howell has been this year, and he's been phenomenal, this offense is at its best when the focal point is running through the firm. 
And I think in the second half, even though Sam Howell put up 400 yards passing, but when Javante Williams got the rock and he ran over those first or two state players, that breathed the lights back into the offense and Carolina got the running game going, which opened up even more passing lanes for Howell. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that, at times, I think Longo has just forgotten. Because, to be fair, it's easy to get caught up in your quarterback slinging the ball all around the yard. Especially with a guy that's as talented as he is. And and, and and isn't going to beat your team. But in a game like this, when you've got some nippy weather and... The field's a little soggy. Nice, nice, nice adjective um, there. Give it to the, give it to your guys, right. and you, all three guys: Javante, uh, Michael Carter, Antonio right. Williams got the first touchdown that really got Carolina in, 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 in control, and they seized the game. Right, that's the strength of the football team. Let, let me try to explain it be, with, with how I think you're you're saying. So Virginia Tech is a great example, a game where they literally just got to the point where they were just telling Sam, let's throw it every single play. That was the difference. That's why they weren't as successful with scoring until, I mean, the score, the final score of that game is not, I mean, it got up there because we went to six overtimes. That was not indicative of how the offense played. That that offense didn't move the ball as well as they probably should have that day because they got away from the running game. I agree with that. Um, and look, Michael Carter, another great performance. 16 carries, 97 yards. Going to a bowl game, so now he's going to have a chance at 1,000 yards. Javante Williams, probably not unless he just goes nuts in the bowl game. But, for, I mean, for us to be talking not only about one guy potentially having 1,000 yards, but two. I mean, we haven't seen that really ever at Carolina since we've been watching. Definitely not since... Matt Brown was there the first time. Maybe even before that, when we're talking about Dick Crum in the mid-80s with guys, when you when you were just rolling through superstar running backs like Mike Voigt and Ethan Horton. and I mean, these guys literally on the roster with each other as well. Amos Lawrence, all, you know, I mean, that that was why you were able to run it so successfully then. But right now, I mean, this, this running game is just amazing. And man, you can't, you got to give credit. Robert Gillespie was a guy that I think a lot of people were saying, okay, we need to fire all the guys on Larry's staff. Nobody stays behind. But man, you got to hand it to Robert Gillespie. That's a guy that had zero ties to Mac Brown, too. And he has done just wonders with this group. Yeah, he, he had a lot of talent to work with and has done a masterful job. Carolina's going to have to replace the leadership of Antonio Williams in that backfield mm-hmm. next year. You're going to have, you would imagine, Javante Williams and Michael Carter back. Right, I would expect. And, I would expect, And yeah. we, we've talked about Carolina in between the 20s, how good they are. They're Phil, they're Phil Longo and Matt Brown away from solving the, what happens in the red zone. To this not be one of the best offenses in the ACC, there's potential for this offense to be talked about nationally as this is a group that can walk out on any field mm-hmm. and put up a 40-piece. Yeah. They're, that's how close they are in just the first year. And we still, and, I, and I'm as guilty as any Tar Heel fan there is, still complain about Phil Longo. But it's you, you can see why Matt Brown right. hired him because... There's potential for him to put it together an offense 
that can lead Carolina where they want to go in the ACC and nationally. But there's legitimate reasons there is. why there why, why there's conversation about what is what he has done wrong, which is in the red zone. But that but yeah, no. Here's the biggest thing: when we go back and grade Phil Longo as a coach. I'm really excited year. about that project, by the way. It's going to be 100 bucks an that. hour billing. We're, we're going to do that. But it's going to be Just well stop. worth the money. But we're going to do that for, for, for every coach where we're going to have grades on them. But I feel like a lot of people will probably say in the C's, I think he's, I mean, to me, he's he's a lock to be somewhere in the B's, right? It's just, the the biggest thing is, and and here's my thing. I would rather have a coach that can consistently move the ball up and down the field and struggle in the red zone than have a coach that can consistently score in the red zone but can never get into the red zone because he can't move the ball down the field. That's great. You could you could have a 100% touchdown rate in the red zone. If you get into the red zone 12 times all year, that ain't doing nothing. So that that's I mean that's the thing. You got to look at it from that perspective. And there are people that are frustrated with some of the stuff that he's done. That that's also just part of you know watch you know watching the game. I mean, we get frustrated all the time with with some of these great offenses. Um, you know, I mean, look, you know, people in New England complaining about a team that's ten and one in their offensive play calling. I mean, it's 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 going to happen all the time. Um, but I mean, you look at the potential of of what this offense can be. Not expected to lose any of their running backs unless. Which I mean could happen. I really hope Michael Carter doesn't buy into because they're going to try to tell him that he can go to the NFL this year. I think if he comes back, puts together another great year, could go over a thousand yards. He could solidify himself as a midday guy. I think if he leaves this year, he's he's probably late round or undrafted, and then has to battle his way through, which is just tough. You're not losing your quarterback uh, for at least another two years. Howell's there and locked in place. And then you talk about the wide receiving core. You mentioned, do you think Daz possibly leaves early? I don't think so. I I just, I mean, he's a really great player. I mean, look, over 130 yards tonight. Um, But I I just don't think he's a guy that's going to leave early, especially after what he saw from Ratliff Williams and where, you know, him him having to struggle right now uh, to kind of get his career back to where he wants it after leaving early. So, I think he'll probably stay in place. You bring back Deami Brown, Bo Corrales, even uh, Toe Groves, and then all of your depth guys at wide receiver, your offensive line, only lose one significant guy. I mean, Nick Polino is another significant guy as well, but really what I'm trying to get at there is that Nick Polino, of course, went down in the game against Miami. That means that we've had a guy starting in his position for the rest of the year. I know that, you know, the the back and forth between Montillas and Izudu, you know, has, has been something that's gotten a little frustrating, I think, at times for some people. But, I mean, look, I just talking to Mike Ingersoll uh, earlier this week, I mean, he loves what he's seen from McKeithen. Absolutely loves Marcus McKeithen. Loves the improvement that he's seen from Brian Anderson. Again, it's just times where it's hit and miss, but still a guy that's really improved. And then, I mean, Jordan Tucker still looks, I mean, he looks like a guy that will be able to make the move over to left tackle and should be should, should be all right. Um, and they've also got plenty of other guys there. So the, what I'm trying to get at, this offense should only get better next year. And especially, I mean, we got to talk about it here for just a second, led by a wide receiving core Two guys, Deami Brown and Daz Newsom, now 
who are just putting together unbelievable seasons. I mean, De'Ami Brown, touchdown away from tying uh, Keem Nix and Dwight Jones for the most touchdowns in a single season by a receiver. You know, this offense going into next year is going to be the strength of this football team, no question. Mm Mm-hmm. And has a has a chance to not not be productive. You know, they can be historic. There's gonna be that much talent there for them to match numbers that you saw under Larry Fedora when that offense was humming uh Marquise Williams' final year going into Trubisky's one year. When that offense you knew week in, week out was gonna give you a thirty five to thirty. Mm-hmm. That's what Carolina's at. That's where Carolina's at now. We haven't really since you had the bye week since Clemson. There was never a game that after you went to Georgia Tech and put up 38. Yeah, 38. Yep. From that point on, we went into every game thinking, well, we can probably get 30. Well, except except Duke because except that, Duke. that rivalry is just very strange. But, it, no but if, if it, Carolina would have gotten to the 30s, it wouldn't have come as a oh, surprise. Oh, it wouldn't have shocked anybody, no. And, and, that, and that's all when Mac Brown talked about the offense he wanted to run. It was having the ability to put that amount of pressure on a defense because it's not just Sam Howell singing back or you know going into full slinging Sammy mode. It's, it's handing the ball to your running backs. And it's not just – it's not running back. Notice I said backs. This year they've got a trio. Uh, maybe, so, maybe even a force yeah. in there with Josh Henderson. And, and, and who Josh Henderson's going to be a, a guy from. that you know when he gets when he gets his touches, which he'll get Antonio Williams' touches next year, could do a lot wow. of stuff for. Uh, I'm excited, man. And in the ground game, and that and that's the exciting thing. We got so mad in our layer for door because you never saw this offense evolve, adapt, run the football, change from week to week. We've seen right, Carolina. Right. Be right. able to change from game to game. Hell, in between the game, today you went from a pass-heavy first half to an offense in the second half that everything was an extension of what they did running the football. And, and it all starts up right. front with the line that I've I've had my issues with at times. But in their biggest games, they held their own. South Carolina, they were very they played they performed well. Clemson, they performed well. Virginia and Pittsburgh, they performed well. So they have the ability to be a good group up front to have this offense in, in rhythm. Well, the biggest issue early on in the year, they were receiving a lot of criticism, but they were extremely young. That was just part of the growing process. We, we knew that was going to be something they would have to work through. I don't think a lot of people were prepared for that early in the season. And after a while, they just had to become okay with it. And the offensive line started to take major steps forward. This is the biggest thing about this offense that you should take away. When they said that they were going to come in and they were going to what get, take what the defense gave them. We heard that so often under the last regime. And it was never true. Never true. They always would force whatever they felt was the best part of this team. They would never make adjustments. And I think that this offense has done that so far this year. Again, we'll we'll, we'll get into like like you kind of mentioned there a little bit. I, I just to explain it a little bit more to the people. We're gonna go back and look in depth at the red zone offense and try to figure out where things are going wrong and how they can fix it. And that will be 
something that we're going to do in the offseason. Right now, we're not going to worry about that because they're going to a bowl game. We're going to worry about focusing on that and, and everything that's going to go on around that. But in the offseason, we'll go back and look at that. But I think other than there, there's not a lot that you can gripe about. Now, the defense, there's a lot of people that are griping about that. But look at their performance tonight against NC State. I thought, you know, outside of the first two drives where and where State was able to run the ball pretty successfully, I thought this defense did a phenomenal job of stepping up and playing what was probably, I mean, could you argue their best game of the season defensively? I mean, they shut this team down after those first two drives. This team didn't do anything except for that long pass completion. And this was this was what we thought we could see from this defense at times. Injuries, fatigue, re- really because of a lack of depth was what got to them. But here's the thing. You challenge guys that have played over 1,000 snaps so far this year, like Aaron Crawford, like Jason Strobridge, like Miles Dorn, Chaz Surratt. Those guys, you challenge them to step up tonight, and for the most part, they did. You know, this defense really responded after not being ready to tackle the first two drives. Um, and the big thing I, I took away in the second half, they were able to get to the quarterback without having to take a, a blitz every time. And what happened? Created turnovers. Created turnovers. Which was a key for a team in NC State that if you created turnovers against them, they can't create them back. They had eight eight total turnovers all year. One of them came tonight um, from Sam Howell, but they forced eight turnovers the whole year. Yeah. So you knew if you turned them over, it was going to change the Th- game. This was the kind of game that you just wanted everything to just mount. And an overhaul a state team that is beat up, young, not well coached, and that's what Carolina did. There you go. Yep. And and once it started snowballing, Dave Doran He don't know how to respond. He uh, don't make adjustments. You know, I guess maybe because he's not a grandpa, he hasn't he isn't old enough, doesn't have the experience. Couldn't couldn't get his team to 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 fight and, and to respond and took the ass kicking he finally deserved to take. And and and, yeah. and, that, and that's what and then that's what happened. The beautiful thing about tonight was we entered this game knowing we're better than they are. The last three years, we thought we were... Okay, 2016, okay, we thought we paper, were better. On paper, we were... I, I think we were better in 16. I don't think so in 17. And last year was debatable. There was a lot of talent on these teams. But the problem was the motivation wasn't there to play in these games. All three of those games were very similar. Extremely slow starts. Yep. Never got anything on track. And, and that's the coaching. And so you saw tonight that Carolina Carolina played like they knew they were better. They played with the confident and a swagger. Yeah. Um that we're we're better than you. And for some of these guys, they they'd never beaten NC State. And they don't want to go out with that kind of bad taste in their mouth. Had the same thing. Hey, look, these guys entered the season having not having not beaten Duke or State, and did both of those in the same season. And, and so there you go. I mean, look, we can act like this is a one-time thing. It's not. Not if they not if they keep recruiting and State and, store, and storing the principles that they've they've done they've done so far. State does not have what be, it takes from top to bottom to compete with Carolina in any athletic program. Ooh. 
That is fact. Maybe bass fishing. Um, I, I I tweeted at Dave Doran. Hope he saw the tweet. I can't see anything from um, me. Unlocked, hope so. hope you asked Kevin Keats on Vice how it is to be the son of a former of a, of a UNC coach because is Matt he, Brown is, is your daddy. That, is he at that? Is Keats at that point though? Oh yeah, Roy's his daddy. I mean, Godfrey. Yeah, yeah. And, he was and, owned. And Mac is your Definitely. daddy. Hope you wished him a happy uh, a Father's Day. By the way. I've been a lot about my Twitter account. Between those two? Probably I, they not. They did not show that on television, um, so I'm interested to see if that even actually happened. I've spoke a lot about my Twitter account. Give me a follow at JoshuaMarlow5. It would be greatly appreciated. Yeah, he needs people to like his Gith. tweets because I'm the only one that likes his tweets, so it doesn't... It and it's why I have zero confidence in, in dating, in my work Come profession. On, what are we doing? Right, it's 1130 at night. So now the late night confessionals are going to come out, and we we, we don't we, we don't have a promo for that. We don't have a sponsor, so we can't do the late night confessionals. Well, there it is. If you want to sponsor my late night confessions, late, late we're night looking con- for sponsors. I think the football teams beyond late night confessions, uh, they they could get a little risque at this point, um, especially involving uh, involving our quarterback because the play has been phenomenal. So I think that could get rough. Uh, I think the the late night confessions would be saved for the basketball team, right? Where you release your uh, your shocking confessions about uh, about the team uh, the team struggle so far this year. But yeah, I mean that'll happen on on our on our there basketball. We, we do have the Brattle for Atlantis preview that will be coming up on the Roy's Voice podcast. Make sure you guys check that out. Uh, that'll be coming up. But uh, let folks in you know back back on this. Uh, I. That was one of the big things I want to talk about was creating the turnovers. And you saw guys that we don't necessarily say. I mean, you know, Trey Morrison and Miles Dorn were guys we would expect it from. Uh, Miles Dorn, especially, that was huge to come up and make a play like that in, you know, what was his final regular season game. Do it against the team that his brother plays for. Uh, he plays for the, or played for, excuse me. Play for the basketball team. Uh, he is not there anymore, right? That's not one of the guys that's been around for years and years. Couldn't tell you. Uh, and then Trey Morrison. I mean, this was a guy that's you know struggled throughout the year. We expected him coming in though to you know, play a much bigger role. Just hasn't been as effective on the outside. But for Don Chapman, that was the guy that I thought it was huge for because this is a guy that in his two it, it, he's he started three games so far this year and he's got two interceptions. He was non-existent in them after that Georgia Tech game until we saw him a little bit against Pittsburgh my I, I just I just want to know why because yeah. I, was I, he injured because I, I've loved what I've seen from him I think he's going to be a, a guy that could compete for reps there next year I mean I made the comment last week that I think the coaching staff made a mistake on him not seeing the field because he just had a knack to not making plays but creating turnovers, which, right. <laughs> good Lord, Carolina has, hasn't done for the longest time. It's been refreshing at times to see this defense be able to do that. First and, time with three interceptions in a game since that 2015 season. Yeah, and look what happened tonight. They gave the offense back the football, and the offense was able to respond and ca- and, and capitalize with, Enzo, with, with touchdowns which effectively put the game out of reach in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. And that's all you can ask for in a rivalry game. You get to play, you get to put a backup in on the road in Carter Finley. By the way, put in put in a 
true freshman walk-on for right. the second straight. By game. the way, I don't want to hear any any more complaints or any more digs from state fans about our fans not showing up to Keenan. Oh, man. Sold out all six all six games. Oh, and I'm going to tell you. And there I, were more people at the Mercer game than there were tonight in Carter Feeling to watch, okay. uh, watch a rivalry game. That is not official. Okay, let's not go off of that. The The other thing, though, is there That's, were a lot of Tar Heel fans there. Yeah, got to give credit to, to our fans that, that yeah, braved the elements. because I wouldn't travel um, that hellhole. Yeah, braved that, that excuse of a stadium and watch, and watch, and watch the football game. I might be going game. there for the state championships, though. That's going to be up to you guys. You guys will decide where I go for the uh, for the state championships. But, yeah, no, I, I think, uh, you know, you got to hand it to the fans. And in all seriousness, I mean, we're throwing some jabs at state um, just because, you know, we love having fun with that. Uh, this is a we, – we've determined – and we want to know your opinion on this. Slight, slight Tar Heel lean podcast. We're not going to go Homer Tar Heel podcast. Because we don't think we're homers. We're, we're pretty, I mean, we're, we're pretty fair on the team. Um, but we do think that we are slight, we slightly lean towards Carolina. We want to know your opinions. But, uh, no, in all seriousness, I mean, good job by, by our fans traveling out there. Um yeah, I mean, look, they, they, their fan base can't really say anything. I mean, the last few weeks have just been terrible. And look, I mean, there's a reason why. And if it keeps up like that, I don't think they're going to fire door in this offseason. If their crowds remain the same next year, I would not be shocked if he is not retained after next year. Uh, they have to get better. Um, if, if they do get better, their fans will show up just like just like Torrio fans. But... I don't even even with saying that I don't know if they're going to show up at that rate because you have to hand it to Mac Brown the belief in this program not only for the kids but for the fans that bought in and are seeing the these types of things pay off. I mean, look, we were kind of all in the same area in the preseason, but it's a huge difference. We were either four and eight, five and seven, six and six. There were some people that were seven and five with their thinking. Now, I mean, to get to a bowl game, this is huge in year one, especially with the fact that you, you not only do you get to a bowl game. My two biggest things: we asked for this for so long. Beat Duke and State. They do it this year. Beat both teams. Yeah, no. Mac Brown took the job. And stress the importance of winning games against in-state opponents. They went two and two this year, but beat the beat the two but, that, but you, that mattered. But the you most. beat the ones that were that was going to cost Larry Fedora's job in the long run. The Wake Forest loss. Look, Wake was eight and four, um, not bad. App State's eleven they, and one. If, if they have Sage Surratt still healthy, first of all, they don't lose today against Syracuse. And I, I believe that they would have been more competitive in the game against Clemson as well. Uh, that that was a much different Wake team, but yeah. And then yeah, I mean App State. I mean, what it, what are you gonna do? That team is very strange. I mean, they're Scott are uh, not. Yeah, no, Drinkowitz. Jeez, I keep getting them confused. I mean, hell, they're basically the same coach. They came in, took over, seamless transition. But yeah, no, I mean they're they're. I, I think both of those right now are outliers. Um, App State, that's 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 something interesting to monitor. Does that not feel like that could become sort of a heated rivalry too because of how big they're, they're, they're kind of celebrating that? 
um, saying that they expected to win and then putting up a mural on the wall uh, a couple of a couple of months later. Very interesting. But uh, well, that's that's it. That's that's it for the regular season. The good news is this team now gets to go on to a bowl game. Of course, we're going to have you covered with all of the bowl projections. We'll tell you where everybody's projecting the Tar Heels to go. Uh, of course, bowl projections will not come out, or bowl, uh, excuse me, bowl projections will come out. Bowl assignments will not come out until after all of the championship games are done because they still don't know exactly where everybody's going to go. When we get that information, of course, we'll let you know where the Tar Heels are heading. We'll have you covered with a preview and then, of course, the recap uh, as well as the stock report, trench report from the bowl game. We're going to have you covered for the state game as well. Still have a recap coming your way. That'll come out tomorrow. Uh, then we'll have the stock report, which will come out on Monday. Trench report. When are we going to do the trench report? You want to do it earlier this week or you want to do it on Tuesday? It'll be out Monday. There we go. That'll be out Monday as well, so you guys can check that out. And then we'll start uh, diving into that uh, pretty much uh, full-blown you know, focused on, on the bowl game. As well as we're going to be juggling a little bit of early signing day stuff. Uh, I don't think there's anybody major to keep an eye on outside of Trenton Simpson right now. Uh, there are some other guys that are going to make their decisions like Octavius Oxendine, the three-star defensive tackle from the state of Kentucky. But I think that Trenton Simpson is the guy you got to keep your eye on right now. Unless Clemson pops a late offer, he's going to be a Tar Heel. It's pretty much set in stone. Um, we'll have you covered because we're gonna. Go, I'm, I'm going to go out there and cover that, so we'll make sure to have you guys ready for all that. But uh, yeah, there's going to be a lot of great stuff that's going to be going up on the website uh, with the Tar Heels going to a bowl game. More importantly, though, as we talked about, 15 more practices for the, these guys. The biggest thing is 15 practices to get better. You go to a bowl game, another game where you get to go through, you're going to have most of your significant guys still out there because, uh, I mean, unless maybe Jason Strobridge, Aaron Crawford, those types of guys might sit it out if they're looking forward to the NFL draft and just trying to take care of their bodies. Good thing is, look, this team has two big early tests next year. This is a big help for them to get these extra practices. So that's going to be huge. Um, and, of course, we'll, we'll have you covered on everything. We'll have you covered uh, on, on any draft decisions uh, as well um, as we get towards that time. It's going to be pretty pr pretty quick here. Everything's going to kind of add up pretty quickly. Uh, but we'll have you covered right here uh, on the Heel Tough Blog podcast as well as the Heel Tough Blog. Uh, that's where you can check out our football coverage, uh, th all that stuff I just told you about, any recruiting stuff we'll have for you. Also, basketball coverage. So uh, we just had our biggest week of the year year so far where we del where we delved into the battle for Atlantis uh, we did had three games in three days we had you covered with everything I had you covered with Anthony's analysis Josh had you covered with the preview he's going to do a recap of the overall event we'll also have that on the Roy's Boys podcast you can check out all that stuff heeltoughblog.com we have all the tabs up at the top you can check out all the news that'll take you through all the blog articles you can sort through which articles you want to read as well we have all the different categories that you can sort through so you can pick through basketball or football um, and then all also, you can check out the podcast on there. They have their individual tabs, so you can check that out. A Heel Tough Blog podcast, which is the one you're listening to right now. And then the Roy's Boys podcast, which covers the basketball team. So we'll have all that stuff up there for you guys. Uh, it is a great time of year to be a Tar Heel fan, and we have got you covered with everything that you need to know. Make sure 
You go on wherever you're listening to this, whether it's Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, uh, iHeartRadio, Spotify. If you're listening on the website, if you're listening on Spreaker, make sure you go in, leave us a review. We'd really love that for from you guys. Rate, review the podcast, and subscribe to it as well so you don't miss an episode of the podcast because we've got great stuff coming up. And even when we hit the off season, we are going to be having a weekly podcast. We don't miss it. This dude's working with me now, so look, they're not going to be able to get us away from the microphones and the computers. It's going to be uh, unbelievable, the stuff that's going to be coming your way. So make sure that you don't miss out on any of it also go to the website scroll all the way to the bottom put your email in make sure you've subscribed to the mailing list so you get every article that we have right in your inbox you don't have to worry about going onto the facebook page and looking for all of those but if you like doing that make sure you like the facebook page on facebook it's heel tough blog that's all you got to search you can automatically like that that'll get you all the access to everything that you need uh, both podcasts as well as all the coverage online or you can go on to Twitter at Heel Tough Blog on Twitter. You want to follow me at Future Toriel on Twitter. You want to follow Josh at Joshua Morlow on Twitter. Last thing that we want to tell you before we get out of here and one of the things that we want you to check out on the website is our scouting reports. You guys can go and check out the one that's going to be going up tomorrow. That is going to be uh, our last scouting trip where we went out to Richmond High School. Uh, that was last night when we went out and checked out uh, 2021 dual threat quarterback Caleb Hood, who won the game, and 2024 star safety uh, Cameron Roseman Sinclair, who's committed to Carolina. Uh, unfortunately, he fell. His career is over. Um, we talked to him. He did tell us that he is not going to participate in the Shrine Bowl. We'll be out at that as well. I will be going down there to Spartanburg to check that out. A ton of our guys will be out there. Cameron Roseman Sinclair will not be one of the guys that will be out there. He's going to sit out the event and make sure that he's prepared because he's preparing to come in and challenge for a spot next year. He told me he wants to be out on that field next year for the Tar Heels, so he's not planning on coming in and sitting. He plans on coming in and making his name heard. Um, as for Caleb Hood, you guys can check him out um, as well. We did an interview with him. That'll be part of the article. We'll put that down at the bottom for you guys. Uh, read our breakdown of both guys. Um, and then, uh, of course, uh, check out uh, all of the other scouting reports that we've had for you guys. Now, seven commits are still alive for their state championship games. All these guys in the 2020 class Desmond Evans, Joshua Downs, Elijah Green, Jefferson Boaz, Stephen Gosnell, Malik McGowan, and Jaden Chalmers, all with a chance to win state championships. The second-to-last guy on that list, Malik McGowan, we will be out scouting his game as he and the Charlotte Catholic Cougars will host the Kings Mountain Mountaineers uh, for the right to go to the 3A state championship We'll have you guys covered. We'll be out there in Pineville, North Carolina, covering that for you guys. We'll have an interview with either Malik McGowan or if Kings Mountain wins. Uh, one of our big-time targets in the 2021 class, Damian Wilson. Uh, so one of those two guys will be on there. We'll have a scouting report for both guys uh, regardless, so make sure you guys check that out. All seven of those guys that we just mentioned right there, they will be trying to join Kedrick Bingley-Jones and A.J. Beattie, who already have state titles. So that wraps it up for this edition of the Heel Tough Vlog Podcast. want to thank Josh for stopping by and hanging out tonight for the game and also getting on immediately after doing this podcast so that we can get the immediate reaction up there for you guys. want to thank you guys for listening. 
And as always, go Tar Heels and go to Hell State.